0: Today, welcome to the show, Osher Ginsberg here. It is coming to the very, very end of 2023. And over the last few years, around this time of year, I have brought you an annual episode around ideas, around possibility, ideas that I guess I have, ideas that have popped in my head over the course of the year and that are simply a different way of looking at things because I'm fascinated by possibility. Um, there was a time when my brain was just, just, collapsed with anxiety and depression. I could not see possibility. I couldn't see anything other than what my brain was convincing me was real. So I worked very hard on possibility and my ability to see possibility. uh, And I worked very hard on keeping that alive and keeping it active. And I deliberately lead into it. And I'm fascinated by it. Um, I'm fascinated by possibility, by creativity, by novel combinations of pre-existing ideas and try to see ways that putting things together can perhaps lead to outcomes that we otherwise haven't yet experienced. This started in 2020 with uh, 20 ideas for 2020. It was a very quick list. And that list has grown since then. Uh, the interesting episodes. We well, I now do them over a number of episodes, so we're gonna start today. i uh, we're gonna run it for the next couple of weeks on a Friday. This is 24 ideas for 2024. This is idea number one. Now, because I'm a human who has a simple brain that is not powerful enough to outwork the impossibly intricate psychological manipulation that is embedded into the design of my phone and the apps that are in my phone, I'm frankly powerless over it. Um but also because our society and the way our society at the moment functions, I can't actually be without a phone. I can't work without it. I can't find, find my way around a city without it. Uh, here's an idea to help people like me who keep picking up their phone when they're trying to talk to somebody or when someone's trying to talk to me. So if you come to my house and you try to get on my Wi-Fi, my phone will open up a dialogue box. And because you're someone that I know, it says, hey, you want to share your Wi-Fi password with this person? And I go, yeah, sure. Boom, then boom, we're both on. We're both on Wi-Fi. So what would it be like if just like my phone knows you're trying to access my Wi-Fi, if I'm in close proximity to you and I go to pick up my phone, It could work perhaps like with our microphones um, matching audio because our microphones are always listening. You don't believe me? Say Baker's Delight in front of your phone five times today and watch the ads appear on your feed tomorrow. Your phone's always listening. So maybe it could match the audio out of our microphones knowing that we're close enough to speak because otherwise we could be at a party even if it's a noisy party unless the microphone sound kind of match up then it won't realise that we're close enough together. So if I go to pick up my phone and I'm with you, my screen won't unlock unless you unlock it for me. It would not take long for me to figure out that if I'm sitting with my wife and I'm talking with my wife, I do not touch my phone. Wouldn't take long at all. And frankly, to give that power to somebody, that's an enormous sign of commitment. That is bigger than moving in. That's bigger than a joint account. Oh my God, he's got your, yeah, he's got my, oh, you let him in, I let him in. I let her in, I let her in. (sighs) Speaking of phones, 24 Ideas for 2024, idea number two. Wouldn't it be interesting if there was an app that sent out some sort of a hypersonic beacon made by the speaker in your phone, undetectable to the human ear, possibly my dogs, but you and I couldn't hear it, but readable by all cameras and and microphones in their vicinity, kind of like a time code that we use for film and television. Uh, which marks the minutes, seconds and frames. But this code is encrypted and generated on the spot so that only at that exact geolocated area at, a, at that exact time of day and only once will it ever sound like that, will that code ever read like that. It'll work by generating the signal, which is then recorded by whatever phone or camera is recording at the time. And the recording device generates a similar signal and if the two signals match up then boom there it is that was a video made by a person when and where it says it was because at the moment there's just too much scope for footage particularly news footage particularly um, yeah particularly news footage there's too much scope for footage to be shown sometimes years out of context and too many ways for deep fakes to frankly mess with our ability to perceive reality. If you don't want to have your phone in your pocket, the signal could be generated out of a tie pin or an earring or something, it'd it'd be open source, it'd be openly available, it'd be encrypted with randomly generated keys that cannot be predicted. It's utterly based on the unique coordinates and the time of day that it is happening. the watermark could be referenced to a public blockchain. So not only can it not be replicated, it can easily be checked by anyone. And so you'd be able to see how far apart footage was shot. Say, for example, you're watching the news and you see someone walk into a building and then you see the person walk out of the building carrying a bag you might think that happened like that. It could be five hours, it could be five days. It's, it, it would be easy to see how far apart the footage was shot, how edited something is, or, you know, ultimately how reliable the footage is. That way footage, say for example, in a war zone, if it doesn't have this watermark, if it doesn't have this kind of authenticity score, it could be less reliable and we could see that footage and go, oh, yes, it looks like it says things. It, it looks like it's doing what it says it's doing but the authenticity on this isn't there, I'm going to wait and see if I can see something that is authenticated before I believe what is happening um, because it's, at the moment things are getting so wildly used in very, very different emotive ways. It's, it, frankly, it's kind of dangerous the way that news is being told. And another way that could work is if you build this into the code of you know editing apps and things like this, the moment the footage is passed through an editor, it can degrade that authenticity like a a VHS or a cassette in the old days when we would pirate albums or films um, or a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy each time. you you can make a replica of a replica, the quality of it degrades, right? So it could lose its signal quality the more times it goes through an edit suite and this can show up when you test it. How do you test it? You build this into a phone, you build it into a laptop, you build it into a television. So when it's showing footage, it can have a little like a heads up display going, yeah, this is a green light, this is an amber light, this is a red light. But to protect people who are, in the public eye journalists and such they sometimes need to work in in secret but it's important they get footage out so you could choose how much details in the watermark time and location or just location or just time uh, bearing in mind that each verification uh, that you pull out of that would also change how reliable the footage that you create is but uh, if it is a journalist or a public figure essentially they could get the blue tick going you know if they need to be secret they're in like a bunker somewhere if they've got the equivalent of a blue tick if they're authenticated or verified by this system even if they've got no time or location you know that this is actually them speaking um because the deep fakery and chicanery that is being unleashed and is going to be unleashed in the next couple of years is a, a real easy way to just change how we as a public make really 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 important decisions all right uh 24 ideas for 2024 this is idea number three hacking Look, it was fun when, you know, you would hack into your school's high school computer and change your grades on your final essay. That was that was Ferris Pure. Like it wasn't me. But like, no, it's fun hacking. But I think by now we've all had enough data breaches or had our credit card RFID copied or whatever. We're pretty fucking sick of it. All right. So rather than letting the banks have all the fun, how about I myself have two-factor authentication for everything. I find some way or there's some system where I prove myself to a particular central service and then I get my own authenticator app um, like I do with everything else. And so when someone's on the phone to me, I can verify them by typing their code into my app and they can verify me by typing my code into their app. I do not like when a, a bank calls me from a private number, immediately asking for my customer, asking for me my name and asking for my customer number. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, no matter how legit they sound and then how pissed off they are. And I'm like, look, I'm going to call you back. They get all upset. I'm like, I'm sure you work there, but come on, you're calling from a private number. But if my bank had an app, then make the call set a person, read me their six digits on their screen i type them in and go oh yeah and then i read my six digits and they go oh yeah and then hurrah we have legitimacy and we carry on it might be a bummer to do this every time you buy something online putting this code in this six digit code every time you put your credit card number in but it would sure as shit beat my credit card details being used to buy thousand dollar gift cards which drains my holiday savings which i don't find out about until i'm in fiji no thank you very very much Um, I'd be okay with that. 24 Ideas for 2024. This is idea number four. It's a show, uh, and apologies to Kirk Docker here. It's a TV show, YouTube show, I don't care, whatever it is. It's a filmed conversation, and the show is called I Didn't Expect You to Say That, and it's going to be the most boring show on television because what I want to do is get people from all sides of the ideological spectrum, and I want to find things that they have in common. That's it. So like super boring, no fights, no gotchas, no, you know, aha, this fact is going to snooky. No, just finding ways that we are alike rather than ways that we are different. Wouldn't it be amazing to watch something where you see a no voter, let's call them uh, Brendan, uh, and Brendan here voted no in the voice referendum, and this is uh, Torquil, and Torquil voted yes. And Let's have a conversation about what things we can find that they both value. And wouldn't it be interesting to hear Brendan talk about how concerned they are over the outcome of a child in a remote area when it comes to health or education and that they truly are concerned about that. You know, everything else comes later, but, you know, talk will here is is like, wow. I thought, because you voted no, you hated children. Not the case at all. Brendan actually really cares about these things. And then Brendan or I or you may indeed be puzzled or confronted by this statement out of Brendan, uh, but you would pay off the premise of the show by hearing talk. Because I didn't expect you to say that. Um, and just try to find ways that people from different sides of our community agree Because unless we start to find out what we have in common with each other, particularly the values that we share, we are on a path to becoming quite a polarized community of people who have forgotten what it is like to come to a compromise. Somewhere about 2014, 2015, this started to happen. We just forgot that uh, compromise is a part of being human, that not everybody gets everything they want all the time and nothing else, that yes, sometimes there's give and take that this is how humans have always worked. This is how we get where we are. This is how we got where we're going. This is how we're going to get where we want to go. We have sometimes I believe forgotten that compromise has to happen and particularly ideological ideological compromise. And it's easy to come to a compromise with a person that you feel you share values with. Um, And I think that's a really, really important thing. Like I said, most boring television show ever. It'll be cancelled after two episodes. But boy, I'd love to do it. 24 Ideas for 2024. This is idea number five. After the malarkey of the voice referendum where random people with 10 digits for a surname somehow convinced enough Australians that the voice referendum was actually a UN land grab that the no vote won... I feel, I have an idea that we really need to do something about the integrity of our electoral system. The good news is that we don't have to invent anything to do this. The idea is already there. And the better news is that the idea has been invented by Australians, particularly South Australians. Yes, the people who brought you Humphrey B. Bear, The Curiosity Show and AFL's greatest annual grudge match. It turns out that South Australia has some very very excellent laws around truth in political advertising. It's a law that is unique in Australia and it ensures accuracy and honesty in political advertising. The South Australian electoral act contains provisions that require, um, any political advertisements to be truthful. Now, not only is South Australia, one of the few places in the world with that many large scale daily sculptures, the malls balls, no longer the most exciting thing there. No, it's a fucking gigantic elephant on stilts. Uh, South Australia is one of the few places in the world with a legislation that aims to prevent uh, misleading or deceptive political material from getting out uh, during a campaign. So if a political ad is found to be inaccurate, what happens there is the electoral commissioner can request that the ad is withdrawn or there are, and that there is a public correction. So whoever made the ad has to say, actually, the wind farms won't kill your whales. They'll actually have to say it out loud. Uh, failure to do that can result in fines. The exact amount of fines varies, but it does serve as a deterrent against the spread of false information. And if a party has, found, has been found to win an election based on something inaccurate, I believe they, they have to pay to run the whole election again. Uh, whether they pay for it or not, I can't remember, but they, they have to run the whole election again if they have found. And that would be no fun. If you're a political party that won off something that wasn't true, and you're, oh, guys, we, we lied um, can we, are fine. Can we do it? We have to vote again. Please vote for us. Hmm. Now, this changes politics there in quite a fascinating way because political parties and the candidates, they tend to be more cautious around things that they claim, things that they promise going forward, because they know they could be held accountable for any kind of misleading content that they're, they're talking about. And it's widely agreed that this law has been in place for about 40 years or so. It's had a moderating effect on the political spectrum there because there's a more informed and less polarised electorate. And that focus, by design, shifts things to more factual and policy-oriented campaigning. Now, interestingly, by promoting more accurate information in the political campaigns, it can contribute to a political environment where decisions by the people who are voting are made based on facts and effectiveness of policy rather than misinformation or emotive appeals oh my god they're coming to take your jobs and they're going to steal your boats we'll stop them we'll stop the boats and take the jobs i don't know what it can also do is that can it can it can change the actual policies of the people in power because it it can lead to more pragmatic and more centrist policies overall because extreme ideological positions are often quite harder to justify with any amount of factual accuracy. The law's already there, the model's already there, it's proven that it works, let's get it out to the rest of Australia before the next federal election because I don't think we wanted to see that what we saw this year ever again. So. Uh, 24 ideas for 2024, this is number six. And I should thank Nick Cody for the genesis of this one. As a part of getting your learner's permit, your driving permit in Australia, uh, what you have to do in New South Wales, you have to get 100 hours of logged driving with a person that's got an open license in the car. So parents often sit there with their teenagers. Uh, In New South Wales, it's 80 hours driving in the daytime, 20 hours driving in the nighttime. Here's the idea. Let's add on 20 hours of cycling just to get your driver's license. Now, that can be commuting to work and back or to school and back or uni and back for two weeks. Make the rides no longer than 20Ks. So, you've, you know, you do it over a course of time. And the same goes for when you want to get your bus license or your truck license or your motorcycle license. 20 hours of cycling over two weeks, uh, not all on the same day, is what you need to do. And you can show your proof through like the New South Wales app or the Queensland app or whatever the app it is that we would show our coronavirus vaccinations on. Remember that thing? So just get a grey-label GPS tracking app built into that. We can do it on a, you know, a calorie counting app. We can do it on these ones. If you don't have access to a bicycle, you can borrow one. The government will give you one, right? There's plenty of spare bikes in the world. And as an added incentive, uh, say you've done too many times you got done speeding, all right? You're about to lose your license and that'll be stu- you'll be stuffed. If you do 20 hours of cycling over two weeks, maximum ride of 20 k's per ride, that's actual commuter cycling. You're on a bicycle, out on the road, you could get back on your P's, no problem at all. Now, why would I want to give someone who's possibly a very dangerous driver the gift of something that I find enormously enjoyable, get out on the road and ride a bicycle? Because if you ride everywhere, for as little as two weeks, like an hour a day in the morning, an hour a day in the afternoon, if you ride everywhere for as little as two weeks, an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, to and from somewhere, you will never, ever pass too close to a cyclist again. You'll check your blind spot every single time. You will double-check at every green and red light. You'll look everywhere for bicycles, and you'll be very, very careful about going too fast when you're driving. Once you have had the experience of being a vulnerable road user on a bicycle where no one can see you, no one can hear you, you'll become a better driver no matter what. I guarantee that. That's six ideas. How long have I been talking for? God, 20 minutes. Jesus. All right. Um, I'll be back with more next week. Between now and then, I think on Monday we've got a guest and I'm going to do a – I've got some big lessons out of the podcast this year. and I'm going to play you some big lessons that I've got over the next few weeks. Um, But it's Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day in Australia. Be mindful. Keep a head on your shoulders this year. Uh, There's going to be a chance you'll be around people you've not seen in a while, possibly your family of origin. And being around our family of origin can often – be like, you know, Doctor Who, you can be a time lord. You can time travel back to your childhood responses. They will just start to show up. You, might, you have no say in it. It just starts to happen. Be mindful of that. Breathe. Notice it. Notice it. Um, just like Wheatus, uh, I got two tickets to Iron Maiden the other day. And uh, why am I talking about Iron Maiden? Because I'd like you to do something that I call Iron Maiden breaths. Iron Maiden have a song, 666, six, six, the number of the beast. Well, the breaths are 668, the neighbor of the beast. You're welcome. So it's simply uh, breathe in for six, hold for six, out for eight. It's not quite a box breath, but it's a fun way to remember uh, a simple and quick way to downregulate and to notice what's happening in your body when you need to. Because once you start to notice it, then it ceases having power over you, and then you can just oh yeah, there you go. Um, on on the exhale, just notice what's going on in your body. Notice what's going on. And you might need to you know scoot outside, check on the sausages, or you know destroying young nephew or niece in a bomb diving competition you know adult stuff that's fine Uh, the other thing that might happen is you might start to have conversations uh with some of those people about i don't know things like wind farms or referendums possibly even the middle east try your best this is i mean it's technically idea number seven but you know this is a bonus one try your best really try your very very best this time around try not to introduce facts into the conversation. Once you start introducing facts into the conversation, it's like hands on a cricket bat, trying to see who's gonna bat first. People shut down, all right? The facts won't work anyway. You know you're speaking with someone that, you know, evidence doesn't matter. Instead, be curious. Inquire how the person that you're talking to came to believe this particular idea about wind farms or or whales or fundamentalist fundamentalist religious nutbaggery, wherever they are. Once they explain that in detail, uh, make their argument back to them. So what you're saying is that wind farms, da 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 make their argument for them. Try to do a better job than they've done. Do it with no judgment and focus on the values that you share. In their argument yeah i care about whales too i really i care about children i can see you really care about children that's real i care about children a lot i really care every child has a right to live a life of peace you're absolutely correct i couldn't agree with you more that is you and i eye to eye on that one and then just leave it let them sit with it it may well be the first time in a long time that someone didn't immediately snap into an argument and they might feel a bit bewildered because they're not currently having a fight you're just going all right uncle kevin it's always Uncle Kevin. Um, I'm gonna go get some potato salad. Now, it's not too insidious, but what it does is it changes, it preps the ground between you for the next time you speak. It might be later that day, it might be that weekend, it might be later in the year. Next time you speak, again, don't try to put any facts into the situation. If they keep coming up with facts, it's, oh, that's really interesting. How do you come to know that? Start to be curious about how they come to know these things. How do they learn this? What kind of thing would you need to see or hear? That's, That's really interesting. Whales, yeah. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com AI for people to learn more. believe that while wind farms don't work well together. Okay. What kind of evidence, what kind of no evidence, Don't use that word. Um, what, what would you need to see? What would you need to hear to make you feel that that might not be the only idea out there? What other things could, you know, change your mind or make you feel differently about it? Keep going from there. Just be curious. Don't try to win anything except space between the two of you. The work on the uh, shifting of the way they feel about things or what they believe in, that's theirs to do. But you can help family and friends or, you know, you can do your part for people that have been captured by a mode of appeals that are based on disinformation or misinformation, particularly during the referendum campaign. You can help those things loosen their grip on the people you love by... You know, having these kind of conversations because the next time new ideas come that way, they you know, they may not believe as strongly in this thing as they thought they did. And when other ideas show up that would previously have confirmed what they were thinking, they might huh, kind of look at it in a slightly different way. You're not trying to win anything, you're not trying to win anything but trust. Or you could just watch the cricket. Whatever you want to do. I'll be back with more ideas uh, next Friday and um It's been a great year. Uh, It's not the end of the year. We've got another week and a bit to go. But, hey, we're in that weird zone where we don't know what day it is. And it's just fridge and, you know, tiger rolls and cricket. And it's the best thanks to annie ma who did audio and video post on this thanks to abby benno my producer toe hider for the music ben and monica for keeping the lights on at OGTV. Uh, the mailing list is in the show notes there's new details about the melbourne shows on the way on the mailing list find me on instagram if you need me i'm on tiktok find me everywhere like subscribe send this podcast to someone if you need to um, i'll see you monday bye <laughs>